Warning, Mr. Cole and Mr. Rasner are not historians, journalists, or socialists. In the course of this episode, they will use profanity, consume alcohol, make inaccurate claims, and discuss violent and disturbing acts. Fact-checking and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 84 Ounces of Freedom. I am Mr. Cole. And I am the Sultan of Zanzibar. And this is Truck Talk. I don't want to hear any complaining that we talk about trucks or that we're not talking about. This is Truck Talk. That's all we talk about. We're, fuck, we're not going to talk about something that we're not the experts of. We're truck experts and this is Truck Talk. Today uh, <clears throat> we're drinking some larceny on the rocks because um, we're not drinking beer. We both are trying to uh, be keto as fuck. Yep. I am in ketosis. I smashed the ever-living shit out of my finger today. It's throbbing, and I need a painkiller, and bourbon's my painkiller tonight. Boom. So, you were talking about beer. You made beer today. I made beer today. Um, I bought four dozen roses, not for Jamie, but to make beer. If you don't finish that sentence, it just sounds like you're having an affair or like you're on the wrong side of town or something. <laughs> yeah. what, what's the roses for? Well, I'm going to smash them and drink them. <laughs> Man, the person at the uh, at the floral place must have thought you did something really bad. <laughs> yeah. It's got a yeast, the hops, which are four different varieties I was able to find through my research, and even the grains... 10 pounds of grain, by the way, and it's a German red grain. All of them have floral flavor profiles to them. So uh, so this is an all-grain brew? All-grain. No um, no liquid extracts? No liquid extracts. Okay. And uh, so it should be pretty cool color once it ferments out. We'll see. Probably going to be pink. Were the roses red, I assume? Yeah. Okay. But the grain was a red too, and it's a it's to the darker side of red, almost like an amber red. So why was the grain red? That's just its color profile, and I thought, huh. oh, cool, perfect, because I could find that's the only grain I could find that was complementary to a floral. Was it barley? Was it barley or rye? What was uh, it? Some German grain. Hmm. I can't, it's not rye. So you yeah. just shopped online for it. Yep. Did you taste any? Did it taste reasonable? Yeah, tasted uh, pretty bitter, like the hops came across very syrupy so i guess i got some sugar only read about five percent but uh i don't know it seemed like there was a lot of sugar there to me okay but we we shall see since it's all, the first time i've made beer since before the pandemic yep which we are currently in yep how many weeks since i made beer no it's until that's going to be ready to drink uh four i'm gonna we've been guilty of drinking them too young in the past yeah rushing things a little bit I think this one, though, I think some of those delicate flavor profiles will disappear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With, so, th With so this is going in a keg. I don't know. I might, I might bottle it. You might bottle it. We shall see. Exciting stuff. I got a lot of stuff, dude. Let's get into it. I mean, <clears throat> 
we're in a time right now, obviously, we're in a global pandemic. Um, I had notes in my book on the day when there were 50 deaths in California. And... Um, oh, there were a lot more than that. There were uh, 100 deaths on a few days. Yeah, there was 50 total for that day. There were, from so far. Mm-hmm. And now I think we're at, what, over 1,000 deaths? Uh, it's been a few days since I checked, but we were getting... 100 death days for the state of California for multiple days in a row. There's thousands of people. And it's still not insane like New York. It's not. But, But, you know, New York has... The the subways in... Like, most people around here, because they can't go to, like, their favorite restaurant, they just assume that... Like, like you tell people in California that the subways in New York City never closed, and they actually are unaware of that. Yeah. Right? Like, so the, the tubes full of, like, feces and vomit... And people with bad hygiene packing in together continued to run despite, you know, me not being able to take my kids to the park to play. And the feces will give you the COVID. They, they For sure. Oh, true. yeah. Fecal shedding is what it's called. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm aware. So at any rate, like New York, uh, they, they closed down. Like they tried real hard. But in my opinion, if the subways are running, like uh, the germs are going to spread. So I kind of thought it would be interesting because our interesting historical facts um, to talk about the flu of 1918. Mm. Love it. I don't know very much about it, and I'm very intrigued. Uh, It's a trip because you see a lot of, if you look at those old pictures, there's uh, professional baseball. They're all wearing masks. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. There's like police officers and nurses and doctors lined up in the streets all wearing masks and Mm -hmm. stuff. uh, Businesses shuttered. It's nuts. Uh, And you've never seen that in America, but it totally was here. It occurred. Uh, After World War I, returning soldiers helped to spread the virus around the world. It rapidly turned into a global event. In that 18-month period, which people keep pointing to this because they keep saying we're in for at least 18 months of hell, you know. Yeah. Far more people died than in World War One. Is that true? Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. Between 50 and 100 million. I don't know. 50 and 100 million deaths. And I don't know. Maybe the reporting wasn't that well that back then. Right. Well, there was no test. One site said it was more deaths than World War One and World War Two combined. But I couldn't find a confirmation on that. Okay. But definitely more than World War One. And this is just coming off of World War One. In October 1918, school was canceled, theaters, places of worship, and other places of public amusement were shuttered. 195,000 Americans died that month. It was the deadliest month of American history. The pandemic pandemic lasted 15 months. 500 million people worldwide got sick, and 3 to 5% of the world's population got sick. In a single day in Philadelphia, 759 people died. Death spread so quickly that many were buried in mass graves. That's happening in Brazil right now. They're burying five coffins in one hole. It's happening in, in Rikers Island in New York City. Because, oh, yeah, right. yeah, there's tons of people that are dying from COVID-19 that are homeless and on the margins of society. And there's no one ever showing up to claim their yeah. remains. So they're... There's actually mass graves in New York City at the moment. The first wave was typical of the flu and commonly referred to as the three-day flu. 
Uh, most people didn't die from that. They got really sick, and after three days, they were over it. Some people died, but, you know, that does happen with the flu. But the, sef- the, but the second wave was not typical. Uh, people were coughing up blood and bleeding from the ears, nose, and eyes. Hmm. In January 1919, the third wave was experienced. It was ex- also extremely gruesome, but not as bad as the second wave. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people look at this and say the second wave we have is going to be worse yeah. than what we've seen. Yeah. But you can't be 100% on that. It's a different virus. We're all going to find out. This influenza pandemic left scars on the entire earth. 14% of Fiji's population died. Goodness. And the entire and entire villages were wiped off the face of the earth forever. You would think a place like Fiji would be isolated enough that they might not get it. It's crazy that it got there. I know. It gets it got every it, this virus has gotten everywhere. Right. H1N1 is a virus of avian origin to maintain morale. World War 1 Sensors minimize uh, reports of mortality in Germany, the UK, France, and the US. So we literally were like China downplaying the numbers. Yep. Um, Papers reported reported freely on the situation in Spain, which gave the false name the Spanish flu. Yeah. So it it wasn't the Spanish flu at all, but. Because mm-hmm. everyone was keeping their mouth shut and it was publicized there. They got blamed. So where, where was the origin? Do we know? They say World War I soldiers from America returning from all traveling abroad. So just could be anywhere in Europe. Yeah, that led, led to the nickname the Spanish flu. Right. I, so what I heard about the 18, 1918 flu is that more people died the the fall when flu season returned than the yes. initial flu season and so that has stoked fears that that might happen with coronavirus as well absolutely but who knows man who this knows this is another interesting number this flu killed more in 24 weeks than hiv killed in 24 years yeah but it's not i mean if it's sexually transmitted you can stop that pretty easily yeah and or at least take uh We've gotten pretty good at actually keeping people with HIV alive. We can basically do it now. Yeah. HIV is not a death sentence like it once was. True. Crazy. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking of all these people getting... So so the flu we get, we've all had it, is just the... It's just that 1918 flu yeah. that's still hanging around. What probably happens is when it's summertime up here it's probably doing its thing south of the equator where it's winter it's always kind of winter somewhere and then it probably bounces around but i can't envision a scenario where you were bleeding from your ears and eyes and and eyes but who knows because they actually didn't have a test for it so people that a lot of people died from it there were probably people that died from something else that they attributed to the flu because that's what was going on and they didn't have a rapid test i currently have a rapid test for it in an emergency we can get a result back in 20 30 minutes oh wow um for for influenza a and b but probably not all kinds and there's probably a false negative rate and they say that they do tend to mutate yep generally to the detriment of the disease but not always to, oh, meaning they mutate to make the disease milder? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Oh, interesting. I've, I've heard at least one guy that 
said that was true, but not always. Sure. Um, this is kind of, I actually have two of our uh, medical serial killers, but this is, this is in the time of World War II, so not long after the flu pandemic. And then I think we're going to go back in time. Uh, I assume you've heard of Dr. Satan. I have not. Oh, he's a character on House of a Thousand Corpses, Rob Zombie's first film. Okay. But Doctor Satan, spelled T-E-U-R, Doctor, however you say that, uh-huh. uh, was this dude uh, in World War II. And this is a really interesting story, but terrible as always our medical serial killers is. But this, this guy is a little different. So Marcel Pitoit was born in France in January 1897. At an early age, he proved to be disturbed. When he was 11, he fired his father's gun in class and propositioned a girl in his class for sex. As one does. At 11, yeah, that's not that's unusual just norm- That's at just all. normal stuff, right? Yeah. He was charged with damage of public property and theft in his teenage years when he robbed a post box. I guess that's a mailbox. After a psychiatric evaluation, it was found that he had a uh, mental illness. Hmm. Petoit volunteered for the French Army in World War I. He was wounded, gassed, and was showing signs of a breakdown. He was sent to various rest homes where he got in trouble for stealing army and medical supplies, as well as personal items of the other residents. He was diagnosed with many mental illnesses and was returned to the front in 1918. After injuring his own foot with a grenade, Three weeks later, he was discharged with disability pension. After the war, he completed medical school. In eight months, he began working and living in a town where he was paid by the government and private individuals. So wait, he finished medical school in eight months? That's what it says. I must not understand medical school the way they did. Well, it just involves a hacksaw, I think, is your main tool. Yeah, so wait, can we can we pause for a second? So did you get the impression that the grenade to the foot type situation was as, as an intentional self-harm kind of thing to get him out of the war? Kind of. Definitely, maybe. Or I, or I just took these notes wrong. Okay. It does say injuring his own foot with a grenade. But that could be an accident or it could be yeah. intentional. Sorry if you hear noise. I'm, I'm, out, I'm getting ice for my whiskey, as one does. He began working in a town where he was paid by the government and private individuals. At this time, he was using addictive narcotics, and he quickly became known for using dubious metal practices, medical practices. Oh, we need to elaborate on that. Yeah, including but not limited to supplying narcotics, performing illegal abortions, and his old favorite, petty theft. He just liked to steal shit from people. (laughs) It's believed his first murder was the daughter of an elderly patient that he was having an affair with. She disappeared, but it was never proved that he was involved. He ran for mayor and won. (laughs) While in office, of course, he embezzled town funds. He moved to Paris after being suspended. That just makes him a normal politician. After being suspended as mayor and failing in another elected position, and again... The reason was for stealing. During the occupation, he began his most ludicrous and sinister, lucrative and sinister scheme. 
He told people that wanted that were wanted by the Germans that he could help them escape to Argentina for the price of 25,000 francs. He had three accomplices that directed people to Dr. Eugene, as he was called. Once Petoit got the people under control, he would advise them that they could not enter Argentina without being inoculated against diseases. His inoculation was a cure-all known as cyanide. Goodness. Then he took all their valuables and disposed of the bodies. <laughs> so this is like... This is very much like... Uh, it's a war crime, but like reverse. Like he's... He's per- per- perpetrating the crime on his own people. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to help you. Oh, but you got to have this inoculation and he kills him. He also reminds me of the, the guy from the Chicago World's Fair. Help me, what's the name? Oh, H.H. Holmes. Yeah, he just reminds me of H.H. Holmes. Just, Very H.H. Holmes-ish. Yeah, You're right. yeah, just like, oh, it's like murder for profit. He began by dumping bodies in the, is it the sign? The C9? I think it's scene. Sign? Scene? We're so fucking ignorant, dude. <laughs> it's it's I, the big river that goes through Paris, people. I know Coal Creek. I know that. I know how to pronounce that one. <laughs> And then he would submerge them in quicklime and incinerate them. So yeah, kind of very shades H. H. of H. H. Where do we have H. H. Holmes whereabouts during this yeah. Paris occupation well, by I the Nazis? I think they get this guy. Uh, yeah. So this dude failed to keep a low profile. So the Gestapo forced a prisoner to infiltrate the operation. He disappeared. On their second try, they were successful and arrested Petroit's three accomplices so they they set up an undercover sting and the dude he just did what he always did and they're oh where'd he go <laughs> uh they gave petroit he's arrested by the gestapo yeah that could hurt well they they, they took, were unkind they got his three accomplices and uh they gave uh the doctor up under torture of course they spent eight months in prison for helping jews escape like they didn't care that they were murdering people you're helping jews escape well right uh, neighbors complained about a terrible stench and excessive smoke coming from the chimney of his house. Fearing a flu fire, the police department arrived and found a roaring coal fire in the basement. They found human remains oh. in the fire and scattered around the basement. They also found human remains in a quicklime pit and in a canvas bag in the backyard. Property of the victims were found scattered through his property. For seven months, he hid with friends, saying that the Gestapo wanted him for killing Germans. He was finally recognized and captured. He was charged with 27 murders for profit at an estimation of 200 million francs. He was convicted. Is that a lot? Yeah, because it's got to be. Because <laughs> when you think of a Frank. And a dollar, <laughs> like 200 million of those, the math is impossible. All I'm hearing is the name of a currency that doesn't exist anymore. So, it's probably like five. possibly 200 million is not that much. It's more than five bucks. Is it? I'm sure. Do we have confirmation? Uh, anyway, he, well, we're going to get into that actually, <laughs> but more about the mark than the franc. Uh, he was convicted of 26 murders and sentenced to death. He was executed by guillotine on May 25th. Mm-hmm. The nickname Doctor Satan has nothing to do with Dr. Satan from Rob Zombie's movie, House of a Thousand Corpses, obviously. Wait, so what year was he executed? Do you have that? 
Because you had the date, but did you have the year? It, is it, this is still under occupation, or? No, I didn't get the year. Okay, we'll look it up, We'll because uh, I'm curious. Yeah. Because the French used the guillotine. I know. But it, would be surpri- it would surprise me if the Gestapo did. Yeah, it seems strange. So I want to know who executed him. Was it the Germans or the I French? I know that I have um, heard two podcasts on this dude. Have you? Really both very different. I think one was um, Sword and Scale, and I think the other one was... Uh, Oh, Jack Luna's podcast, but I could be wrong. I, I know I've heard two, and that's why when I was researching it, I'm like, wait, this is familiar. He's very A.J. Holmes. Shades yeah. of A.J. Holmes. Crazy, huh? But after that, right? Like, A.J. Holmes didn't live until World War II. That's not a thing that occurred. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when we're talking about the value of the franc. Yes. I got a part on hyperinflation. Oh, which, were we talking Weimar Germany or Zimbabwe or what are we talking? Uh, 1921, 1923, after uh, World War I in Germany. Weimar Republic. Yeah, during yes. the reparations and yep. stuff. Yep. Uh, so Germany experienced hyperinflation uh, between 21 and 23. Uh, to pay for uh, the cost of World War I, they suspended the gold standard the convertibility of its currency to gold when the war started. The emperor and the Reichstag decided to fund the war by borrowing. This idea was criticized by financial experts. Like uh, much of what we're doing now is being criticized by financial experts. Mm-hmm. We're doing everything they did. Yeah, as a risk for currency devaluation. Germany thought that by gaining industrial territory in the east and west... If they won the war, they would be able to pay off their debt. They lost that bet. The mark steadily devalued from 4.2 marks to one American dollar to 7.9. Okay. By not winning the war, the Weimar Republic was saddled with massive debt. It could not afford and made it worse by printing money like we do just print some money. Tremend, like twenty six trillion dollars is our current. Like, I remember freaking out under Obama when it was eighteen. Dude, that's nothing. Do that in a half hour. It seems quaint these days. Yeah, they made it worse by printing money with nothing to back it. The demand for reparations through the Treaty of Versailles made it worse, and in nineteen nineteen, it took forty eight paper marks to buy one U.S. dollar. The biggest problem, the biggest reason why that's true is they charged them for reparations that could only be paid in gold or foreign currency. Mm-hmm. So they got all the gold they had and that was gone. So they started buying foreign currency with the mark because these guys weren't going to take the mark. They knew it was worthless. So it inflated their the mark even more. Yeah, I know the reparations were very punitive on Germany after World War One, yeah. and and this this is all of these things added together, are what usher in Hitler. Yep. Like this is well, mistakes were made. For the first half of 1921, their currency was fairly stable, at 90 marks to one U.S. dollar. The Germany, then Germany, was slammed when the Reparations Commission announced the London Payment Plan, which I just discussed. Mm-hmm. 
After their first payment in June 1921, the mark quickly devalued to 330 marks. To Started $1. at what, three or four? Uh, Started at four. Four something? Yeah. Yep. Now we're to 330. Okay. Hyperinflation erupted in December 1922 to 7,400 marks to the U.S. dollars. Reparations were being paid in goods like coal as the mark was worthless. In January 1923, French and Berlin troops occupied the industrial region of Germany to ensure payment. Workers in the area went on strike to protest the occupation. See, I didn't know about this occupation either. That's crazy. The government had to print more money to pay for their passive aggression. Sorry, let's go back because I didn't know about this either. So troops of which nations? Uh, France and Belgian troops. France and Belgium, but not us. Nope. They occupied in the industrial region of Germany to ensure payment. Is it? It's probably true that Germany wasn't allowed to have much of a military either. Did oh, you read yeah. anything about that? I, I think this, that that's a I don't thing. think, got into it because it was more okay. focused on currency. Right. Uh, the government had to print more money to pay for their mass passive aggression, which, because uh, you know if you're on strike, you got to still eat, dude, which increased the inflation of the mark. A loaf of bread cost two hundred billion marks in late 1923 goodness gracious by november the u.s dollar was worth over four trillion marks well the, the, this is so the, there's further context right because th this is a devastating time in german history but here in the u.s is the roaring 20s yeah i mean it's it's harding coolidge our economy's booming so that creates an even more stark contrast between our dollar and the German mark. Yeah. Because things were on fire here. So. True. These True. people, man. I, like, I don't know how you do it. Like, they were... I've heard stories where people ask to be paid for a day's work at the beginning of the day. Because if they could go buy bread then the bread would be cheaper cheaper than oh, if wow. they waited till the end of their shift because the currency was devaluing that quickly that's crazy yeah S sorry i cut you off where were we oh that, that's uh, uh hyperinflation reaches peak until the new currency the rutin mark was introduced banks turned the marks over to junk dealers by the ton to be recycled uh, they were literally using forklifts to load marks tons of marks into the dumpster <laughs> printing companies had problems just to print the marks mm -hmm. uh, and then of course World War II began in 1939 mm -hmm. but that's a long time between 23 and yeah. 39 it's hard to believe that they could come back from that kind of an economical disaster so I guess they bought time by introducing the new currency and the other thing that people would barter sure there was just goods for for labor you know, lab, goods for goods forget dollars yep well so do you the piece that that's intriguing to me so did was germany still under this yoke of reparation debt when hitler came to power or I don't think did they, they ever actually succeed in paying think, it off? I don't think they ever paid it off. Right. I think they did a bad job on that, and it kind of just like, well, you have this debt that clearly we're not going to ever get. But I could be wrong on that. I think tomorrow when I wake up 
and my buzz is worn off, which is going to be terrible because then I have to go to work. I think I'm going to jump on eBay and see if I can buy some some of these marks from the time of the Weimar Republic. I I played with the idea of buying some of these old bills that are collectible now but have no monetary value well it's a it's an extinct currency <laughs> well, they're probably worth more now than they were then that's true because so so when i was going to do this with zimbabwe too because zimbabwe had um million dollar oh really printed million dollar zimbabwe i actually don't know what the currency is called but they're equivalent of a paper paper currency oh it's the z-note Something like that, where it says one million, but in truth it was worth nothing. <laughs> so there's pictures of young children in Zimbabwe from yeah, I'll take you guys cubes, thanks. From a from a while ago where they're holding up a million quantity paper note that can buy them nothing. So they're like, I'm a broke millionaire. <laughs> and you can buy that piece of paper now that's been preserved on eBay for $5 or something. And I just thought about acquiring some and framing them and just putting them up in my kid's room. Yeah. Cause it's cool. Just for the lesson of it to be like, look, this is completely worthless. Like this is what ha like, you know, just to make sort of like fiscal libertarians <laughs> out of my children. I never knew about hyperinflation yeah. after world war one. I, I never knew about the Spanish flu. Yeah. Until, uh, until this um, makes you kind of want to care. And like the reason I looked into those things is because we have this stuff happening now. And it's like, well, this has happened before. What did, what did we do? You know? Mm -hmm. But the world today has just nothing to do with the world in 1918. It's True. completely different. The ways that I have of saving someone like, like it's just, it's a, just a true statement that an outbreak of, the the flu in the same severity of 1918 happening now would be completely different. Yeah. Simple things like being able to control a fever with Tylenol. They didn't have then. You can do that now at home without even having to, to see a physician. Right. Um, probably, it's almost certainly true that a lot of people got dehydrated from the flu because they you know, were sick and, un and unable to hold f fluids in. And I can quickly put in an IV and bolus two liters of fluid. I could have it in you in 15 minutes and completely take away all the dangers of dying from dehydration. You know, yeah. it's like there's things that I can do now that I bet they couldn't do then. Or maybe they did have IVs in 1918. I, I, that would be interesting to know. Like I would love to be friends with like an armchair nursing historian that oh, would be like that would be interesting that would be a fascinating guest for this podcast yeah. man i guess maybe i should be that guy i don't know so i do want to plug a podcast that i've been listening to and um uh, i want to cover something he covered in one of his episodes that uh kind of falls under our um medical serial killer but kind of in a different way remember we did that uh story on uh <clears throat> what were they it's the skin 
I'll find it in here. Anyways, the podcast I'm talking about is called Swindled. And uh, what I want to talk about is the real life body snatcher, uh, Michael Masterino. <laughs> that's quite a name. Mastro Marino. Yeah, that's that's how you say it. And the body snatcher thing, once again, is very H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, this is crazy, dude. So season two, episode 11 of Swindled uh, covers this guy. Listen to the podcast. It's very cool. Hosted by a concerned citizen. He doesn't tell you his name. Interesting. Well, because a lot of stuff is governmental plots and politic stuff and just it's hardcore. Um, it's not run by a corporation. They don't have bosses. It's by uh, they tell you you can mail a postcard to them, but please no packages. We don't trust you, he says. <laughs> uh and a very obscure we. I mean, who's we, dude? Right. You know? Um, but this stuff is all very well researched. Um, the episodes are delivered in a very monotone voice with surreal background music, which gives a podcast a real sinister feel. Mm-hmm. And he's telling you hardcore stuff. Yeah. Like, so... Swindled is exactly what the name entitles. It's scams and of on every level. So you can't blame him for wanting to be anonymous. Yes, so this story is similar to the skin hunters we covered in episode 7. So, anonymous dude from Swindled, please do an episode on skin hunters cuz I know you'll ep- you'll research it well and it's very much is very similar to the story of this uh, Michael Masterino. And of course, listen to his uh, episode on this dude. Um <clears throat> uh I'd like to hear their episode Sure, with his level of research. Also, do your favor, self. Uh, listen to Swindled. Uh, I've listened to... There's four seasons. He's currently doing season four. I found it in, while he's in the midst of four seasons, so it was cool. I binged it for like two weeks, maybe three weeks. I got a lot of window time, uh, so it was... What's fit. window time mean? In the truck. Oh, you're driving around because yeah. you're going down to the city and stuff? I got you. Yeah. So... Having said that, Michael Master Marino was an oral surgeon who started a company called Biomedical Tissue Services, or BTS. BTS harvested human bones, organs, and other cadaver parts, usually for people to be cremated, usually from people that were to be cremated and sometimes buried. BTS sold products to five companies and 10,000 people in the U.S. and Canada received transplants from BTS, too. Um, so what they would do is strip down corpses and harvest the parts, bone marrow, different parts they could sell to people. Mm-hmm. Of note, Cindy has uh, cadaver eye tissue that she's had surgically wow. put in her. Yeah. Hopefully from not the time these dudes were operating. No, and I think it was a little different than that. <laughs> you're about to see. Uh, the employees used poor harvesting habits. Corpses were stripped with standard tools available at a hardware store. This isn't too bad, but many times the corpses were allowed to deteriorate for a longer period than is legally acceptable. They didn't test corpses for diseases like HIV, and they even accepted cancerous and diseased corpses for harvesting. Uh, I may come across the year. Well, if the HIV existed, this is modern-ish era, right? Yeah, it's not too long ago. Okay. That's all right. 
It sounds bad, but it gets worse. <laughs> uh, most of their donors uh, weren't donors. BTF got uh, aloe graft tissue, ligaments, cadaver material, and bones by forging consent forms, many times against the family's wishes. Bones were replaced by PVC pipe in a woman who was exhumed during the investigation. She was not even a donor. Uh, so apparently, people who are donors, it's typical to use PVC pipe to right. replace their bones, but they forged papers saying people were when they weren't. Right. One transplant patient experienced infection, septic shock, paralysis, and she had to undergo dialysis as a result from one of BTS transplants. Yeah, septic shock will fuck her kidneys up. Other recipients who received BTS transplants contracted HIV, uh, hepatitis C, syphilis, and some also experienced tendon failure. Can you imagine getting a tendon replaced and it fails? Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the pain in that. Syphilis is treatable with penicillin. That's no big deal. But. Michael Master Maria Marino was convicted to 18 to 54 years on June 27th. Here's a date. 2008. Whoa. That's very recent. He died of, ironically... 2008. I have library books that I checked out in 2008 that I haven't returned yet. That's like, that's very recent. It's funny, the more we we talk and learn about these guys, the more we realize we've never heard about it. And right. it's really close to home. Now, where is this guy? Uh, he died, ironically, of bone cancer on July 7th, 2013 at the age of 49 while incarcerated. 49. Yeah. Bone cancer, 49. You know what hurts bone cancer? Yeah. Bone cancer hurts probably more than any other cancer. How we doing? We're good. Do we need... All right. I don't Micah, know. Michael Mastorino. So Master, this, Master Marino. It's M-A-S-T-O-R. Master Marino. Master Marino. It's a cool name. It, it is. He could have been somebody. I'm just I, saying. Well, he was a... You know, just... Stay Oral with surgeon. your oral surgeon. Don't you know you're good, dude. Yeah. Oral People. surgeon. So that's like if you have, like, like if you need your wisdom teeth out, you need like an oral surgeon. I'd say is true, yeah. which yeah. I probably need my wisdom teeth out. Probably. <laughs> like so. So but this is in the USA. Yeah. Goodness. Well, how'd you hear about him? Swindled. That's actually oh, covered yeah, swindled. on Swindled. All right. A uh, great episode. Fair enough. Well. Dude, let's pivot from med yeah. medical serial killers and I got uh I got one other little small piece on uh Zuckerberg and Trump. Okay. That kind of pissed me off. What do you got? But you tell me. So, Mark Zuckerberg said in a meeting, video call with all Facebook employees, this was just a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. that he decided not to take any action against Trump's post. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. Okay. He explained that he did a thorough examination of the history of Trump's post and concluded with his team that the reference is clearly to aggressive policing and maybe excessive policing, but it has no history of being a recap as to a dog whistle for vigilante supporters to take justice into their own hands. And I say hooray for Facebook. Freedom of speech. Okay. I think Trump should be able to say that. I think Trump should be able to say anything. 
I, that's where... Because, you know, we defend Voltaire, but that's so old-fashioned. So his, Trump's, or not Trump's, but Zuckerberg's people kicked him in the dick over this because they're just uh-huh. pissed off and everything. Um, but I say hooray for Facebook and freedom of speech. But then... Um, you... I, I have something to add to that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Please do. My name is David Rasner. My address is 2215 Soda Bray Road in Lakeport. And when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Yes. Continue. So, he then made it clear that Facebook still reserves the right to moderate Trump. Boo, Facebook, I say. Yeah. Then, amazingly, Mark Zuckerberg said this. This isn't the case where... Trump is allowed to say anything he wants or that we let government officials or policymakers say anything they want. They reserve the right to moderate all these people. Mm-hmm. Sure, Facebook is a privately owned company, but I say double boo, Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Yeah, Facebook doesn't have a classical liberal bone in their body. And I thought he was doing so well the way the, the article started. Mm-hmm. Let me down. Yeah. You know, um, I, so context is that we are in a very rural area with a low population density. And thankfully there has not been any violence here yet that I'm aware of. Is that consistent with... Yeah, you're, that is true. The only We've had some protests, but they're small. Well, but, but protests are fine. That, yeah. And Pro, I, 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 I'm, I'd be arm in arm with the protesters as long as we're sticking to... Just wear your face mask. That's all I can say. I don't even care about the face masks. But, but in my opinion, looting and protests, there's, there's a, a, a distinction there. Right, so looting is just people taking advantage of the situation. That's probably true, and then there are probably people that feel justified in their looting because they're angry at What's what society? happened, what yeah. they saw that makes me angry. But you know what I've learned in my personal life, and there's no reason in the world for me to think this would be different at a societal level, is that when I'm angry, let's say I'm angry at my spouse, my kids, you, somebody. And I do something, quote, because I'm angry, it's almost always the wrong thing. Right. I basically always regret it later. Like, if if you think that it's okay to do something you wouldn't normally do because you're angry, I, I would ask you to really, really reconsider that. I caught myself twice in the last couple of weeks. And I, oh, I, once was at work and once was with my wife. And I was like, you know what? The thing at work, I'm like, I'm pissed off. This really pissed me off, but you know what? That coworker's correct. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do because technically they're right. No matter how much it pisses me off and how lame I think they handle it, they're still right. Mm-hmm. And I even got into it with Jamie. I don't remember what it was. I said, you know what? You're, I'm wrong on this. Mm-hmm. Well, what you're trying to? No, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong on this situation. I, I still feel this way, but I'm wrong. I know it, and 
I can't win this. I'm I'm wrong on this. I, so um, uh, just you know, let's let's uh, let's try to move past past it. I uh, I learned this important lesson when. Well, it's been years now. So Laura and I were dating when Proposition Eight occurred in California. We were we were engaged. Do you remember Proposition Eight? No. Gay marriage, California. Oh. Um, a yes vote to Proposition Eight um, amended the Constitution of the state of California to define marriage as being between a man and a woman. This is in the same election that elected President Obama to the White House. Um, the proposition passed and gay marriage was constitutionally illegal in California. Briefly, this no longer applies as a result of Proposition 8. And the proposition passed um, primarily because of minority voters, actually, Hispanic and African-American voters that believed in traditional marriage. And Laura and I had a discussion about it on the phone um, because we were engaged but living 400-ish miles apart at the time, and I saw her some some weekends, probably every other weekend. Um, And... At any rate, I I believed very firmly at the time that the LGBT community hated the traditional American church to the extent that when they finally got their way and got gay marriage, they would um, turn around and sue the churches for their nonprofit status their nonprofit tax status as a, as charities. Cause most churches are tax. Um, yeah, they're, they're tax filed as charities. And I ultimately was wrong about that. Gay marriage exists now and the churches have had no threat to their status as charities. And I remember Laura and I discussing it in, in somewhat of a heated way. And she was very much against prop eight and, I actually voted for it, um, and and times have changed since. And this is you have to understand that in two thousand eight, President Obama was pro traditional marriage. So yeah. that's how that's how much things have changed now. So was Hillary Clinton. So was Hillary Clinton. Bedrock right. Foundation. Right, like so, like Ron Paul doesn't have to apologize because he was he was on the right side of things even then. But at any rate. Um, I, I voted yes on prop eight, but at the time, what Laura and I, after we talked about it, what I ultimately said to her is that I am fine with gay marriage. I would like to see as part of whatever law that makes gay marriage, um, a reality protection for the churches and that never happened and yet the churches never got sued for their status as charities so i i like i fervently believed this thing at the time to be true 
and learned uh, a few short years later that I was wrong. So it's interesting. We actually had the option on, um, and I'll say thanks to Anchor because it's such a cool app to be able to make a podcast. <clears throat> you want to do what we're doing, just download Anchor and uh, you'll ha- it's just a great tool. And while you're doing that, drink uh, a beer from Anchor Brewing in San Francisco because yeah. it's delicious. It seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> but we finally got, um, not only do they find every platform for you and get you hooked up with everything, uh, they set up advertisement too. And we got three options to advertise. And one was for like uh, adopting animals. <clears throat> one, I can't remember. And the other one was some... Um, mission statement for the lgbtq plus i remember community. talking about this with you, yeah yeah i don't think we talked about it here but what i learned about it was they both say 0.00 dollars and then it says cp I, and i learned that that means that cp thing is per thousand plays so right for every t- time one of those ads play we make zero dollars right okay so so they're like um if you're behind that statement or that organization or whatever you want to do your part you can put that advertisement on but then i read a little further and it's like um yeah for every thousand plays you'll make the money listed minus fees so it literally would cost us money mm-hmm. to do one of those things sure so you got to really believe in whatever it is they're uh offering so i'm just keeping my eye open until we get a better offer for i'd like it to be at least one cent maybe i don't know something <laughs> and a per thousand plays could we reduce it to 10 because we can beat 10 i think we should stick to our day jobs however true so you know and and anymore so what i've learned is because of my stance in 2008 on prop 8 i learned that i was wrong and it's some it's something else to fervently believe something in the time and then later on realize you're wrong and then what i hope that all of us would do is we would say well there are things that i fervently believe now and i'm wrong yep and how many years is it so it's 12 years i love that it's 2020 it's easy math yeah so there are things that i 100 percent believe that are true right now and I'm going to learn later on that I was wrong. 2020 kind of messes me up, though. How so? Because I'm a kitchen designer. <laughs> and 2020 is our program for doing kitchen design. And every time someone says 2020, I think they're talking about the design program. And I'm thinking kitchen cabinets. And then find out I'm not that's not what they're talking about. Yeah, Prop 8 and kitchen cabinets have nothing to do with each other. Nothing. <laughs> anyway, Anyhow. that's my mea culpa. And... I learned something about myself right then. And frankly, um, listening to Penn Jillette taught me that same point too. I, I, I didn't come up with on my own the, the concept of, well, I used to believe this and now I'm wrong. So there must be things I believe now that I'll later learn that I'm wrong about. But that is when you do realize that whoever you are, fuck you. That's true about you. Even if you won't admit it and you'll learn it later. So that, that self realization will really affect your parenting style. It'll fuck you up when you start thinking about it It, because you realize that you're wrong about things. Now you're going to realize it later. You'll realize that your children 
will realize later on that you were wrong. And, you know, why don't you parent with some fucking humility? Got a little off topic there. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a minute since I'd used the F word, so I had to, like, weave a little F word motif there. Cool. Well, all I can say is check us out. Uh, well, we have a we have a YouTube page, Mister Cole's Homebrew. You'll see uh, Dave and I make and drink beer. I have new stuff coming for that because I finally made beer for the first time in a long time today. I can't wait to uh, try it. Yeah, I mean, don't buy roses for your wife. Turn it into beer. Um, what else do we do? We've got uh, we're on Patreon, so apparently you can donate money to us there. We, we will know. definitely buy alcohol with it if you do. Yeah, we don't know what that we're is doing our with it. And I just get lots of email from them, so someone use it for something. Um, I don't know. What else do we do? I guess that's it, huh? I usually have it written down, but I'm not prepared. We, we fucking we barbecue a lot. That's the other yeah. thing we like. I was going to barbecue while I was making beer and realized I need a splitter for my propane tank. I didn't fill my other tank. Ah. So, whatever. Fair enough. Well, so what is this, episode 13? Episode 13. That's truck talk. Yeah. That's all we talk about is trucks. And it's Friday, too. Friday, episode 13. Friday the 13th? Something terrible is going to happen. Okay, it's Sunday. I lied. So no horror aspect to it. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, maybe we'll do another episode before the next pandemic. Here's to fighting, drinking, and stealing. If you fight may you fight for a friend if you steal may you steal a lover's heart and if you drink please drink with us cheers cheers